0: said that life seems to be getting so complicated. It seems to be getting difficult, uh, unorganized, dis- disordered. Um, because life, if you're anything like me, it gets busy, and it seems to get busier. So many choices that we have to make during the day, or during the week, or during the month. And it can become so confusing. And because of that, for me personally, I long for simplicity. In fact, this past weekend, Vanessa and I were at a place Where there was no cell phone coverage, there was no internet. We found ourselves as we were talking, we would ask a question and think, wow, I need to find that out. We need to Google that. Oh, we don't have any cell phone coverage. But that simplicity, oh, it was so nice. I long for that feeling, that feeling that you get when you're on a porch swing on your porch in the summer, in the spring in the fall, maybe even in the winter. I long for that simplicity in my life. But we have a tendency to complicate everything. At least I do. You need any proof of that, just look at my closet at the house. I I can organize it as I do, faithfully, probably once a year. (laughs) And it does not take any time at all. Back fact, the very next day for it to begin to get disorganized, disorderly. It just happens. And the very same thing, as I complicate my life, I also have a tendency to complicate what it means to live the Christian life. And so I long for simplicity in how to live the Christian life as well. Now, kids are going back to school tomorrow here. So, let me give you just a a little uh, science tidbit. The second law of thermodynamics, I'm going to paraphrase it Harley style, it says this, and this applies to the Christian life as well, believe it or not. It says, if left alone, something is going to move toward complication. It is going to move toward being disordered if left alone. And while that definitely applies to our physical world around us, the second law of thermodynamics, it also applies to our Christian life as well. Now there seems to be some confusion about this word simplicity. So let me tell you what I mean by simplicity as we're talking about this series. Simplicity, we're we're not talking about a shortcut. That's not what I mean by simplicity. When I say I long for the Christian life to be simple again, I'm not talking about a shortcut to the end. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say simplicity, when I say simple, I'm not talking about something that is necessarily easier. In fact, Jesus said the simple Christian life is actually more difficult. So I'm not talking about it being easier. When I say simplicity, what I'm really saying is, As I say something simple, I'm saying something that is clear, that is not confusing. And since we have a tendency to complicate what it means to be a Christian, myself included, with this series, the series called Life Hacks, we're taking ourselves back to what Jesus has said, the simplicity of what it actually means to be his follower. That's what we're talking about. And we said last week, if I'm going to be his follower, if I'm going to be his apprentice, we also said the word disciple fits there, if I'm going to be his student, then I must be with Jesus. And the first step of being with Jesus, we said we can find in what Jesus said in this whole passage we're looking at in this series. In Matthew 7, verse 13, here's what Jesus said. He said, enter through the narrow gate. So in other words, Jesus says, there are some options here. The narrow gate is the option of the choice of Jesus. If we want what he has for us, that is, in fact, the only gate that can get us there. Enter through the narrow gate. He says, for The gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction. And he says, and there are many who go through it. So he's saying not just any way that we choose will get us the success that God wants us to have or that we want for ourselves. Not any gate will do it. Now last week we also talked about how Jesus said that he is the narrow gate. And he also talked about his followers uh, in the terms of calling them sheep. And he says, those sheep that are really his, that are really his disciples, that are really his followers, really his apprentices or students, those sheep will go through the narrow gate. And Jesus said, by the way, he said, I'm the narrow gate. So he identified that for us. Those sheep that are really his will go through that gate. But this week now, we're going to look at what Jesus says. And he says there's this segment of people who look like his sheep. They sound like his sheep. They act like his sheep. All on the outside, they look like his sheep. But they are just wearing real sheep camo. That's it. It's kind of like this picture here. It's the real sheep look. Real sheep camo, though. It's all on the outside. That's not what is on the inside. They are looking like his sheep and sounding like his sheep. They walk and talk and act like his sheep. But the reality is, Jesus says, nope, 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 nope. They are wolves. That's what they are. Dressed in real sheep camo. Now, right after Jesus talks about what we talked about a moment ago, the narrow gate, Jesus now describes this fake sheep, this camouflaged sheep. In Matthew chapter 7, now the next verse, verse 15. He said, beware of the false prophets who dis- who are come disguised as harmless sheep, but they are really vicious wolves. He said, beware. Now, Jesus takes the mystery, out of all of this, and he tells us how we can see through the fake sheep, the sheep that are wearing the real sheep camo. He says in verse 16, you can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. You see, the wolf that is in real sheep camo is faking it on the outside. They're just faking it. But on the inside, eventually that reality, that that is a wolf and not a sheep, eventually that's going to be evident by the way that they live. You see, Jesus is saying, they call themselves disciples, but they've never walked through the narrow gate. They call themselves apprentices of Jesus, but they are not really close to him. They call themselves Christ followers, but they are not following Jesus. They call themselves students of Jesus, but they are not near him learning. And you know, as we do, we have complicated the matter. We've looked at the lives, and we said, yes, 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 I I know that. They may not be real sheep, but they're good people. They may not be real sheep, but, but, you know, they go to church some. And yet, by the way, who are we to judge? We have a tendency to complicate it by saying things like that. But once again, Jesus does what Jesus can do. And he takes what we have made unclear and Jesus makes it clear. He takes what we have made muddy and he runs it through his filter until it's clear. And he gives it back to us clear in the form of this life hack. And here it is as this verse continues in 16. You can identify them by the way they live. Can you, it goes on, it says, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs From thistles. He goes on in verse 17. A good tree produces good fruit. And a bad tree produces bad fruit. Verse 18. He says a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And he goes on in verse 19. So every tree that does not produce good fruit. Is chopped down and thrown into the fire. And now here comes the super simple life hack in verse 20. Yes. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And Jesus can say this because Jesus know he knows how life change works because he's God. And Jesus created the system of life change. Jesus knows that when I am with Him, something happens to me. A difference is made. Something changes when I am with Him. Listen uh, to Jesus describe this another way. This is John chapter 14 in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You see, Jesus understands life change. He's saying the more that you are with him, the more you will love him. And the more you love him, the more you will follow and do what he has said to do. So the more you love him, the more you follow him. So here's how that works. Jesus knows the more you are with Jesus, the more you love him. And the more you love him, the more you follow him. And you do what he tells you to do. You see, that's an inward change.
1: It happens
0: when you spend more and more and more time with Jesus. And it's an inside change that eventually kind of moves outside of your life. So here's a big set of questions in light of that statement. If that happens when someone is close to Jesus, as I just described it, if that's what happens, then how do we get close to someone who's no longer here? How do we get close to someone who is not here on this earth with us? So how do we get close to Jesus today since Jesus is no longer walking on this earth. How do we get close to Jesus? And another way to look at that is, how is God still with us today if Jesus left? How is he still here? Now, when Jesus was saying that, what we just read in John chapter 14, when Jesus was saying that, that was Jesus, he knew that very soon he was going to be arrested and tortured. In fact, in just a few hours, when he said that, a few hours after he said that, he knew he would be arrested, and tortured, and, and he would die. And very soon, he was not going to be physically with his apprentices. Within hours, he would die. And then, as Jesus predicted, he would walk out of the tomb three days later, and then he would spend 40 more days On this earth. After he defeated death. And walked out of the tomb. And then he would leave. He was going to heaven to be with the father. He would not be here on this earth. And he knew that was coming. He knew that his students would no longer be close to the teacher. He knew that his followers. Would not have a person there to follow so who would they be following would they just be wandering around just kind of fumbling through life because it seems that that is what was going to come but jesus answers those questions for us and for them as he was talking to them in the very next verse now this is one of his last teachings before he would die So, this, listen to what was on his mind. One of those things that was on his mind before he died. Verse 15 in John 14. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. He goes on. Verse 15. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Now, another word for that is another comforter or another advocate. Or you could say another encourager. Or you could say another guide to be with you forever. And he goes on and explains, well, who is this guy? He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. In other words, Jesus recognizes I'm with you. You can see me. You know you can follow me. But the the spirit who's coming, you won't see. The world's not going to recognize him because they can't see him. But, he says, you do know him because he remains with you. In other words, you know who he is. You may not know that you know who he is, but you know who he is because he's with you now. And Jesus said, but he will be in you. In you. True followers of Jesus are still with Jesus. They are still with God. Even though Jesus is not physically on this earth, they are still with Jesus if you're a true follower. How do we know that? How do we know? We know that because Jesus said he's going to pray for you. If you're a follower of his, he's going to pray for you that God the Father will send his spirit to live in you. And we know... We are true followers who have, we have God's spirit living in us. How do we know that? Jesus answered that. He said, you will know them because they will obey me, Jesus says. You'll know them because they'll obey me. Now here's a big thought. In light of all of that, how is God with us today? We just answered that. God's Spirit, if you're a follower of Jesus, is not just with you. God's Spirit is in you. That is how Jesus is still with us today. He sent the Spirit to be in you if you're a believer. If you're a follower of His. Now that leads us to another big question. If that is how Jesus is still with us, how are we still with him? If he's no longer here, how are we with him? How are we going to be his followers today? How are we going to be his apprentices if he's not here? How are we going to be his students today? How are we going to be with him today? How? You know, God is a big God. And God can choose To interact with us in any way he chooses. He's a big God. He has all those choices. However, as we look through history, it appears that God chooses of all the ways he can and all the ways he does choose to interact with us, he seems to choose one way over and over and over again. And he chooses that way more often than He chooses any other way to interact with us. And that is through His Scripture, His Word. And that is why God's Word must be a very intimate part of our lives every single day. Because that is one major way That we are with Him. You know, we make things complicated. When we talk about God being with us and God's Spirit being in us, we we make that very complicated today. There, There are denominations, which means that's just a group of people who believe similar things about God and His Word. There are denominations today... That uh, that focus on God's spirit and how God's spirit will create some manifestations of God's spirit in your life, some uh, some evidence of how God shows up, they might call it. We have a tendency to complicate God's spirit being in our lives. We complicate that. We get sidetracked. On these manifestations of God's Spirit. We get sidetracked. By focusing on these outward manifestations of God's Spirit. These things that appear on the outside. To be signs of God and His Spirit living on the inside. But God in this case through Paul, gives us a life hack to simplify what we have complicated. God says that it is what is happening on the inside that is so important, much more important than what you would call a manifestation of God's Spirit. He says it's what's on the inside that is so important. Listen to how Paul records this in Romans 8, chapter 4, uh, chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are led, let's just focus on that word for a moment, led. If God's Spirit is on your inside, it means if you're a follower of Jesus, He's on the inside and there is something going on for Him to lead you, some kind of connection, some kind of interaction, almost as if it is, Hidden, and it is because it's inside of you, it is hidden almost as if it is secret, a secret relationship between you and God's Spirit. And that time that you spend with God and His Word, it soon becomes no secret to those who are watching your life. And it's not because of the manifestations of God's Spirit. It's because your life is changing from the inside out. Jesus goes on. In verse 25. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. In other words, Jesus is acknowledging... I'm giving you this information while I'm here. I am here in person with you. But soon I'm going to be leaving and I won't be here. But I'm leaving you with my words. I'm leaving you with my scripture. I'm leaving you with my teaching. It's almost as if Jesus is saying, Get close to my words and you will be getting close to me. Spend time with my words, and you will be spending time with me. Now, look at what God does with the words of his scripture that we do bring into our lives. Listen to what he does, verse 25. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him, I'm going to send him in my name. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've told you. Jesus is saying that God is with you, His Spirit is in you. And one huge way that you are with God is by you bringing His words into your life. That's how you show you're his disciple. That's how you show you're his apprentice. That's how you show that you are his student, his follower. And here's what happens. And God takes those words that you bring into your life, and God creates change. His Spirit creates change in you. That's a disciple of Jesus. And you become a disciple of Jesus by your choice and by His grace. And in doing that, we are learning how to live this life in God's kingdom right here today, live this life the way He would live it if He were us. That's what we're learning. If He was me, I'm learning to live my life and make those decisions the way he would make them, do the things he would do. And we're learning to do that right here in this life. Now, here's a big note. We are not learning how to do some religious things. That's not what we're learning. That's what the real sheep camo does. Learn how to do some religious things, to look religious and be religious. That's not what we're learning. That's not what Jesus is teaching us. We're talking about learning how to do everything. I mean, we're learning how to do things that, are, that might be considered religious, but we're learning how to do things that are not religious at all. And to do them the way Jesus would do them if he were I. And it's not focusing on what I do, because that's kind of religious. It's focusing on how I do it and why I do it. Now let's go back to the life hack that we began with and this life hack that we're following through this whole series. Matthew 7 again, verse 17. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. If we are going to be that good tree. If we are going to have that good fruit. I believe we must do at least three things. At least. There may be more. But at least three things. We must ask. We must dwell. And we must decide. And I want to explain this. We need in our lives to ask Jesus emphatically. Which means with purpose, and being very, very sure of what we're asking and why we're asking. And very sure that we want an answer. We need to ask Jesus emphatically and repeatedly that our desire is to see Him. To see Him more fully. To see Him as He really is. We need to ask emphatically and repeatedly. Secondly, we need to dwell. Another word you could use there is we need to reside. Another word you could use there is uh, we need to live in. We need to live in His words. Dwell in His words. Reside in His words. And to do that, we should use every means possible. Every means at our disposal to know Him more fully, if that's what we are emphatically and repeatedly asking of Him. We should use every means possible. And the primary way that He has given us to know Him more is His Scripture, His words. John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him. Now, now he's going to clarify. Who, who are those people who really believe in him? You are truly my disciples. In other words, you are truly believers. You are truly my followers. You are truly apprentice. You are truly my student. If you remain faithful to my teachings. And then he ends it with this powerful statement in verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. These teachings that Jesus is talking about, I believe it is filling our souls with the words of Jesus. Filling our souls with the written Gospels. And continuing in them, dwelling in them, living in them. And somehow, as only God can do, a change begins to take place. And we'll be free, Jesus said. We'll be liberated from this human bondage we experience with sin. Dwelling in Him and His words. Instead of those things that are clamoring for my life and those things that make me stupid. In fact, the more I follow Jesus, the more I am able to attend to these things that are trying to pull me away from Jesus, trying to take my focus, steal my focus. I'm able to attend to those things just long enough to put them out of the way and continue following Jesus. That's what happens as I dwell in His words live in, reside in, His teaching. I stay focused on Him. And I'm able to push those things that are clamoring for my attention to the side. And you know, dwelling in God's Word, it's not just studying God's Word, but there's something else that happens there. It's also putting those words into practice. Yes, to dwell in in His words means I must know those words. I must study those words. I must spend time with His words, because if I don't, then I won't know how to practice His words. And the more time I spend in His words and practice those words, listen, I, I, I am going to do that. I'm going to practice those words. I'm going to live out those words oh so imperfectly as I'm starting. But somehow as only God can do, I bring those words into my life and God's spirit is there. God is with me in his spirit. I am with Him through His words. And He takes that and He makes changes inside of me. He meets us. He shows up right at our very imperfect tries at living His word. He shows up and He causes growth and He causes change. Now here's my question. Really a statement. Please don't just dabble in this, don't walk up to the edge of Jesus and just dip your toe in and say, I'm not sure. I don't know that it's going to be the right temperature for me. I don't know this. Don't just dip your toe in. Jesus wants you to dive your life in fully. And let me offer you a transition into being fully an apprentice of Jesus, fully a student of Jesus, fully His follower and His disciple. Here's a transition into that. I'm going to ask you this week to find a very, for you, readable translation of the Bible. For me, just for me, I like the New Living Translation, just for me. You find one for you. It may be the King James. It may be the NIV. I don't know. You find one for you. And I'm going to ask you this week to begin from now until the end of this series that we're in right now. Will you read through the Gospels as many times as you can through the rest of this series? Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then include the book of Acts. Will you read through those five books as many times as you can through the rest of this series? Just read it and read it. Your transition into spending a lot of time with God, with Jesus, and allowing His Spirit to do something inside of you. Will you join us? A transition into saying, yes, I want to be your apprentice, Jesus. Yes, I want to be your... Disciple, I want to be your follower. I want to be your student. I want to be with you. Don't just dip your toe in the water. Read through those five books as many times as you can over the next three weeks. Allow God to do what only he can do. And I said, there's one more thing. You need to ask. You need to dwell, to to reside, to live in His Word. Here's the third thing you need to decide. You see, we become a lifelong disciple of Jesus, we become a lifelong student of Jesus by making a decision. You see, as we read through those five books in the New Testament, we are going to g- gain some clarity. We will understand what it will cost us in order to be his disciple, his apprentice, his student, his follower. We will understand the cost, but we will also understand what it will cost us if we choose not to become his apprentice. And then we must make a decision. A decision must be made. We will never just kind of drift or wander our way into being a disciple of Jesus. We must decide. And listen, we can blame the reason for why we are not a disciple, not an apprentice, not a student of Jesus. We can, we can blame it on whatever we want. We can blame it because there was a mean church who treated us wrong. There were some uh, uh, Christians who who were bad toward us, we can have all kinds of reasons. But the bottom line is, we are not a disciple of Jesus because we have chosen to not be His disciple, His follower, His apprentice, His student. You know what? When we choose sin, we know that it's wrong. We understand. We don't sin... And, and it's like we didn't know. Oh, I didn't know that, that was wrong. We know that it's wrong. We made a choice, a decision. And when we choose sin, that decision is this. I am not going to let Jesus have anything to do with that area of my life, with that part of my life, with that thing in my life. No, this is me. You stay there, Jesus, I'm making this decision for me. We are making a choice. I've decided I will not please you, God, in that area of my life. Here's a question for us. If we're a follower of Jesus, why are we not like the giants of faith? If we're a follower of Jesus, why are we not like Billy Graham? If we are a follower of Jesus, why are we not like the giants of faith in the Bible? Why are we not like Abraham? And why are we not like Noah or or Moses? Why are we not like Paul? The other apostles. Why? And I think if I am honest with myself, I have to say, the answer is simple. I have never intended to be like them. I've never decided to be like them. We have to ask that question. And I really believe there's no better time to ask that question than right now. Do we ever really intend on being an apprentice of Jesus? Do we ever really intend on being all of those high things that we say we believe in? Do we ever intend on living up to all of those Facebook memes that we post? Do we? Have we actually decided to do them? To live them? If we did, when did we decide? How did we decide to implement those in our lives? Here's my suggestion for us. For me. That this week we ask Jesus. Emphatically. Being very sure. Jesus I'm going to follow you. And I'm asking. Will you show me more and more and more. Of who you really are. And if I'm serious about that. I have to then dwell. I have to dwell. To reside. To live in his word this week. And will you join us and reading through the Gospels and the book of Acts as many times as you can through this entire series. And then will you simply, after you do that or while you're doing that, will you decide, Jesus, I'm all in. I will be your apprentice, your student, your disciple, your follower. Now that's a step towards Jesus. We took one last week as well. And I also want to encourage you again in a step toward others. Last week we asked you to take this card and to write down the names of four people who are not active in another church. Four people that this week are probably at home. Will you write their names down and begin reading these verses once a day at least and praying for those four people. And then today, we ask you to do this. There's a date, and there are four boxes, and they're numbered one, two, three, four, one one for each person. Will you simply go to each of those four people this week, and will you say this? I'm praying for my friends, and I want to pray for you. Is there anything this week that I can pray for you about and then write it down on a piece of paper and then pray for them every day this week about what they told you will you join me with those people that you have written down and if you haven't written it down yet will you write them down and then join us in this will you pray for them every single day and will you go to them this week early this week and say to them I'm praying for my friends And I would like to pray for you as I pray every day. Is there something I can pray about for you? If they say no, then say, that is great. I'm just going to then just pray that God's going to bless you. And if they give you something to pray for, then write it down and pray for that. Every day this week will you take a step toward God and with us take a step towards others this week let's pray Jesus you said to us that we are truly your disciples if we remain faithful to your teachings and because your spirit is in and lives in your real sheep, your real disciples, your real followers, that we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Jesus, many of us are asking right now to see you more fully as you really are. Many of us are committing right now to dwell with you, Jesus, through your word, through your scriptures. Many of us are deciding right now to be your students, so that we can learn to live our lives right now in the way you would live them if you were us. Jesus, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard. And give us the courage, Jesus, to do it. Amen.